The following sermon is by Dan Thomas, pastor and teacher at Community Church in Edwardsburg, Michigan. If you've never visited us at Community Church, we invite you to join us at 28647 US 12 West in Edwardsburg. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Community Church of Edwardsburg Online. Wherever you're watching from, we are so glad that you're joining us. My name's James, and we're excited that you're here with us today. Uh, we say this every week, whether we're uh, here in person or live online, we say that we hope and pray that our time together would help you connect a little bit more with God, with each other, and with your purpose. And I want to take the next few moments and share a lot of resources that we've put together as a church to help you while we're apart as a church or apart from a lot of people face-to-face -face in our community where you can still stay connected. And so it starts on our church website, edwardsburg.church, a lot of great resources on there. So make sure you're checking that out regularly. That's updated uh, several times throughout the week. So make sure you're checking in edwardsburg.church throughout the week. Also our church Facebook page, Community Church of Edwardsburg. Uh, be checking out that page. Stuff's going live on there every day, multiple times a day, some days, and just a lot of great resources to help you stay connected. So check out our Facebook page. And then also be looking for our weekly email newsletter called The Community Connection. Once again, a lot of great information will be there as well. If you haven't signed up for that, you go to our church website and you can put your email address in there and we'll get you added to the list. And we just wanna to continue to communicate with you and connect with you. We also have a podcast. Uh, that in addition to the audio versions of the Sunday morning services, there's some uh, great interviews coming up. One of our elders, Chris Graham, just this past week was able to interview our missionaries in Spain, Carrie and Sharon Owen, and a fascinating conversation with them about how they're continuing to minister and navigate the coronavirus crisis there in Spain. So you'll want to be checking out for that one, uh, Community Church Edwardsburg podcast. A couple other things I'll mention, a, a really great resource is Right Now Media has some amazing videos for kids, for middle school students, high school students, college, singles, married people, everything in between. Tons of great, top-notch, top-quality videos that you wanna take advantage of during this time, or maybe you have some extended time at home with your family. I know me and my family, we've spent a lot of time on here the past couple weeks, and rightnowmedia.org. Check this out if you've already got an account. If you don't have an account, the church has purchased an account for you. You just need to send an email to info at edwardsburg.church, and we'll get you set up with an account there as well. Also wanna mention some great resources for kids on the church website, edwardsburg.church, also on the Community Kids Facebook page. Some videos were just added today, so if you wanna have a kids lesson time with the kids in your home, there's some lessons there, there's some videos. I know my kids and I, we watched it last week, we planning on watching it again this week, so check out how you can keep your elementary, kind of preschool, toddler age kids connected uh, through there as well. And then also our students, middle school, high school students, there's information on the website, Facebook, Instagram. We'll be going live tonight for Sunday Night Live, our youth group experience tonight at six o'clock on Facebook and on Instagram. So if you have a middle school or high school student, you wanna get them connected to that as well. And I just wanna say a big thank you to you from the pastors, from the elders, because you guys have been amazing how you've supported our church these past few weeks, how you've supported our community. Um, I've heard of tons of you volunteering different food pantry, food banks. Some of you are sewing uh, masks for those in the healthcare profession and so many other things. And I really wanna say a big thank you for how you've continued to financially support our church through this time. And you guys have been amazing. You can continue to do that. Uh, online at edwardsburg.church through the Easy Tithe app. 
And uh, we continue to adjust and adapt into this kind of uh, new normal of society for the next few weeks or next few months, however long this is going to be. And we're coming up on a pretty important time in, in Christianity, coming up on Palm Sunday and Holy Week and Good Friday and Easter. And we've got some exciting things planned for that. So thank you for continuing to support us. Uh, we're super excited. Over 900 people viewed this service online last week. And so thank you, thank you for your support of our ministry as we continue to adapt and adjust, adjust and help you connect. And so like I say every week, whether we're here or not, we hope our time together today helps us connect a little bit more with God, with each other, and with our purpose. So Acts chapter 6 is our exciting text today. And I got to tell you, I needed a little bit of excitement. I'm, I'm sorry to report this, but I, I think the blues sneaked in a little bit last night. You know, two weeks ago, we had our first absentee service, and uh, I actually came in, just did a recording on Saturday. So Sunday, my wife and I went down to visit my daughter and had a good day. It was just kind of a weird vacation day. Last week, you know, the newness of everything that we're doing was still kind of got me pumped up and excited. But for some reason, last night, I just got thinking about all of you that I haven't seen for a while. And quite frankly, I missed you. I do miss you. And, uh, you know, we've been saying you are loved and prayed for. I can throw in there, you are loved, you are prayed for, and you are missed. So, um, and, but one thing I also wanted to say, Pastor James mentioned Easter coming up, and uh, I really don't want you to miss Easter. I hope that you will creatively, if we cannot gather together again, I, we'll, we'll do what we can to provide some resources, and I hope you'll lead your family in celebrating uh, Easter because, I mean, that really is the crowning miracle of Christianity. That is the cornerstone of Christianity. The Scripture says that if uh, Christ is not risen from the dead, our faith is in vain. So I want to encourage you in that way. You know, that one other thing, somewhat encouraging, I guess, you know, we're making some real progress here. Two weeks ago, just an audio recording. Last week, we threw in the video. This week, music. Next week, Pastor James and I are working on an interpretive dance. I think you're really going to like it. There's a part where he lifts me up and holds me, and we spin around. You're going to like it. You don't want to miss that. Okay, Acts chapter 6. You ready? Verse number one, very much this week, one verse at a time through as we, we talk and look at it. We're only going to do seven verses this week. And uh, verse number one goes like this. Now in these days, when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. Now, first of all, this is a day when, again, the disciples are increasing in number. The church is still rolling. The church is moving forward. Lesson number one, when things are going well, when the church is, is, is thriving, expect opposition. And, you know, the opposition we've already seen targeted at the church. In recent chapters, we saw persecution. Well, how'd that work out for the enemy? Not very well. The church thrived under persecution and will continue to do so. We'll see that even more in coming weeks. Uh, last week, we saw the story of Ananias and Sapphira, and we could say the attack plan was corruption. But God weeded that out right away, that hypocrisy and the lies that had worked their way in, and still the plans aren't going too well. So here this week, he's going to try something different, meaning the enemy is going to attack the church, and this time we have what is probably his best weapon, and that is division. Now let me explain what's going on in the church here. Um, some Jewish people had scattered outside of Jerusalem, and the world at that time was culturally Greek. Yes, it was Roman rule, but the Greek culture uh, still prevailed. 
So those who had moved out of Jerusalem lived more in a Greek lifestyle, and they spoke Greek, and they, uh, they would have had scriptures instead of having in the Hebrew, they would have had the Septuagint, which was a Greek translation. And as they were uh, compared to the true Jewish believers, uh, sometimes there was a little bit of a tendency to look down upon those. Can you imagine one group of, of Christians looking down on another because they have a different translation? You probably can. Uh, we, we do things like that. But that's what was going, going on here. They were the, and, the, uh, and the Greek believers, the Hellenistic believers, they were looking and saying, um, wait a minute, your widows are being taken care of. And the widows were those who needed the help of the church. They couldn't care for themselves. Your widows are being cared for, but ours are not. So a little dissension has grown up here. First of all, let me just uh, say I could bombard you with verses as to how many times God talks about the importance of unity in his church. The Apostle Paul writes that to every church that he writes. This is crucial. But I wanted to point out what I think is the most significant verses. In John chapter 17, uh, we have what is called the high priestly prayer, or actually we could accurately call it the Lord's Prayer. But Jesus prayed this, uh, John chapter 17, verse number 20, I do not ask for these only, but also for those who believe in me through their word. I'm not only praying for the disciples, I'm praying for those who are going to believe through their word, and those are going to believe after that. And here's what he prays, verse number 20, 21, that they may all be one just as you, Father, are in me and I in you. That's an incredible prayer. That they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. How crucial it is, Jesus prays that we would be one. Now, I don't like to overuse illustrations about God because our illustrations, our pictures always fall short. But I think every parent knows what it is like to want his children to love each other and care for each other. And Francis and I are delighted when, when our daughter shows love to, to our son or vice versa. And, you know, it just brings joy to our hearts. And so God says how important this is to him that we are one that there be unity and a church with internal conflict will bury its message the last part of that verse jesus prayed so that they would believe i want us to be one so that others will believe and the, the scripture says that all men will know that we are disciples in that we love one another so how important this message of unity is and that we not bury the message of the gospel that Christ died for sinful men and that they could believe in him and have eternal life. That message gets buried when there is dissension, when there is division in the church. Let's go on to verse number two. And the twelve, so the disciples, summoned the full number of the disciples and said, it is not right that we should give up preaching the word I'm sorry, preaching the Word of God to serve tables. So the first counterattack to the division that is creeping in here is to establish some priorities. We have to figure out what is most important, and he says the most important thing that we do here is that we give ourselves to the preaching of the Word of God. Now, I'm going to mention something. Actually, i got two things in the sermon today that are going to sound a little self-serving, but let me hit you with this first one. The work of preparing a message from the Word of God is indeed work, and it does take time. For many years, I was uh, on a pastoral staff with pastors above me. In fact, the lead pastor of that church just got to go to heaven this last Wednesday. 
But I wasn't second string. I doubt I was even third string. I was somewhere down the line. I was the guy that preached when everybody else was out of town. And uh, let's give Dan a chance. Nobody's going to be here anyway. It's not going to hurt any anything. But uh, when I uh, had that opportunity every once in a while, I always wondered, what in the world does pastors do all the time when they say they're in there studying? Because when I only preached once a year, I always had a message ready to go. I would spend a couple hours, you know, thinking about it and be ready to go. And I thought, man, this is easy. You know, how can these pastors spend all this time studying? Since I have been here at Community, I got to tell you, I've gotten a different perspective on that. The every week message, if I am not going to give you something that is nuked, something that is microwaved, if I'm going to give you a, a Bible meal that is well prepared, I have found that it takes time. Now, please don't interpret that as a complaint. Because I've told you before, I love that time. It's my favorite thing to do is... is dig into the Word of God and get ready to prepare it. But I do want you to know that it does take some time. And this passage is not telling us that we should not ever wait tables. By the way, when it says that in, in verse number 2, you know, what did that mean? May I have your order, please? Not really. Uh, they had orders, I'm sorry, they had tables set up in the temple, and for the distribution of money that was given, that those they would actually line up, uh, to those that had a need and the money would be passed out very similar to what we're seeing happen uh, now at a food pantry today where you'd come in and you have a need and it's passed out you have your table set up in fact down at the school at Edwardsburg here they pulled a bus up they set a table out behind it people would drive up and get that that's very similar to what happened and I'm not saying that's that's not something that elders should ever do in fact I think uh, every day the food pantry has been open either Pastor James or, or Ashling have been down there serving I've had a couple opportunities in the last couple weeks to work the food pantry or work in the distribution of the schools. That's not a wrong thing to do. It's a great thing to do. But what the Scripture says here is the priority is the Word of God. And if doing those other things keeps me from studying and preparing and feeding the flock like God would have me to do, that's a problem. Verse number 3, you ready? Therefore, here's what we're going to do, brothers. Pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the Holy Spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to do this duty. He says, let's get some of the right people. Let's get them in place. Uh, let's get them doing the job. Let's get organized. So this dissension or this division in the church is attacked, first of all, uh, through establishing priorities, and secondly, through getting organized. Now, I say that because there's a tendency, in fact, there's a tendency sometimes in my heart to despise the idea, we use this phrase, I don't like organized religion. Okay, and I don't, I don't like the word religion anyways because too often it, it, it represents man's attempt to make himself right with God. And man is not going to be able to do that. God bridged that gap and came our way. So I don't like that idea sometimes. But let us understand that organized religion even though it is filled with imperfections, and that's the nicest word I could come up with there. Uh, we were even talking around here yesterday as we were preparing for the service, and, and uh, David Gilbert said something about one, something that went on in the church wasn't his finest moment. And I thought, man, I've got a ton of those. Things have happened in the church, and that was not my finest moment, the way I behaved. 
And maybe you've witnessed in the church some things that are not people's finest moments and you've uh, witnessed some negative. We're going to talk about dealing with that even as we go on here today. But understand that organization is needed. And, and uh, you know, I think in a lot of ways this is a win-win for us as far as even getting organized to be better at communicating digitally during this time. And God is going to use that. But that's part of the organization that's attacking the problem with that. Let's go. Verse number four. But we... Uh, we'll devote ourselves, okay, the elders are going to devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the Word. The crucial elements of shepherding, the, the shepherd's number one job is to make sure that the people are fed. We've got to move them where the food is. We've got to take care of them. And again, this goes back to studying the Word of God, preparing the message from the Word of God, sharing the Word of God truthfully, uh, putting in the hard work that is to... to, uh, to uh, expose the truth of the Word of God. And boy, we need truth pumped into our life right now. Okay, this is a time when we are filled with so many things that we do not know what to believe, how important it is that we're receiving the truth of God that stands forever that we know we can trust. Let's move on, verse number five. And what, I'm sorry, here's, a, here's an amazing verse right here at the beginning. It says, and what they said pleased the whole gathering. Let me stop there for a second. Some people believe this is actually the last time that a church has ever all been pleased by something that was said. I just thought I'd throw that out there. Let me finish. It pleased the whole gathering, and the Scripture says that they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, and Philip, and Prochorus, and Nicanor. What do you think? How would I do with that one? And I always like to say Timon. I think it's actually Timon because it looks like Simon. But I always like to say Timon and then the next guy I call Pumba. And Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch. But they appoint these men. Uh, they put them together uh, and say, hey, we've got, everybody is pleased by what's being said. They are united in purpose just as we should be. Our purpose is to pursue a God who is passionately pursuing a lost world. And that purpose will unite us uh, as we rally around it. Now, I want you to notice something else, and this is the other thing that I said might be a little, sound a little self-serving, but I'd never really noticed this before. All the people that are appointed here have Greek names. Okay, remember it was the Greeks that were complaining. They came into the apostles and said, hey, our widows are being neglected. And he said, you know what? We need to do something about that. What are you going to do about it? So if you come to Pastor James or I and you have a great idea, a good response for us would be, hey, how can we help you do that? Because the Bible says that uh, our job is to actually equip people for the work of the ministry. Now, let me, let me throw this at you, too. Oh, you know, uh, there's an illustration of that in the Old Testament, too, where I think it's in Exodus chapter 18, but Moses is taking on too much on his own. He's doing everything. And his father-in-law, Jethro, comes to him, and he says, uh, what you're doing is not a good thing. I'm paraphrasing a little bit here, but he's saying that's going to burn you out. Don't do that. Well, pastors have to be aware of that. Now, listen. Again, I know it sounds a little self-serving, but understand this. Statisticians, I shouldn't have even tried to say that word, but uh, they seem to uh, conclude that most of the churches, I, I believe, I know it's over 90, maybe over 95% of the churches in this country have less than 100 people. A big part of the reason for that, now I'm not preaching against a smaller church, and some are in areas where that's all there is to, to get. I'm not saying a church could not be small, but a big part of why that, that can happen is this. If there is one pastor, that is probably his limit as far as being able to lead well. And when the church gets any bigger than that, he's not going to be able to continue to do the work. 
So if you do the math, then that means if you have two pastors, let's just hypothetically say their names are James and Dan, uh, if they're doing all the work, uh, then it, we're never going to get above, or not we, but somebody in our hypothetical situation is never going to get ab above around 200 because that's not how it's set up. That's not how it's supposed to be. And here it says, okay, you got an idea, guys? You want your widows taken care of? I've got an idea. Here, you get it. You get it. Let's get it together. Let's, let's get to where you guys are taking care of that. Okay, verse number six. These, they set, these, these, uh, uh, men, these Greek men, they set before the apostles, and they prayed, and they lay, laid hands on them. Uh, many people believe that this is the institution of the office of deacon. I'm not going to get into that right now, but I did just want to address, they gathered them together, and the apostles laid their hands on them. I think today, even that concept can be a little bit like, oh, that's a little freaky. You know, what does that mean? Because we've seen, you know, people on TV smacking people in the head and, and uh, doing some kind of weird things. So it also, also almost becomes a joke laying hands on somebody. But that's exactly what they did. And it wasn't in any way that, uh, okay, we have some power in this. I touched you, bam, you get filled with that power. By the way, that wouldn't fly today in social distancing at all. We'd have to do a distance laying on of hands. But what they're really saying is, may God give you the same uh, heart, the same passion, the same power that God has given to me. You know, it's not some magical transference of power from one to the other. But they gathered them together, they laid hands on them, and they sent them out. Verse number 7. And the word of God continued to increase. And the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. Let me back up here for just a second. And the word of God continued to increase, and the number of the disciples multiplied. Um, a lot of times when I'm preaching, I'll say, hey, it's time for a little history lesson. I like to say that just to watch people's reaction, because there are some people, when they were in school, history was equal to boring. Uh, so whenever I say, we're having a little history lesson, I see people check out all over the place. Well, today, this is going to hit a whole, whole different crowd. Today, we need to have a little math lesson. Okay, are you checking out? You hated math in school? I, I, actually, I, I kind of loved it. But we have seen uh, throughout our story, throughout our journey through the book of Acts, we have seen God using addition. The Bible says he continually was adding to the church, 3,000, then 5,000. We saw at the beginning of this chapter, God is adding to the church. We have in, even seen subtraction because last, uh, last week when we looked at Ananias and Sapphira, God said, we're not going to have any of this. He's going to do a little subtracting uh, from the church. Now we see a new word, and that is multiplication. And if you think about that for a minute, the Great Commission tells us not that we are to just share the gospel with other people, but that we are to go and make disciples. That's multiplying, because what I do then, rather than just trying to convince one person of their need for Jesus Christ and having them come and trust him and then going on to the next one, if I take that one and I help him grow and build up uh, that person in the face so that then they can share their faith in Jesus Christ. They can share the message of the gospel. What I've done is I've multiplied my ministry. And for me to say, hey, I'm going to go out and I'm going to reach 50 people a year, or 52 people a year, so I have one per, per week, and you think, well, that'd be fantastic. It would actually be much better if I went out and reached one but discipled that person so that the next year they could reach one, and the next year we could both reach one, and you begin to watch it multiply. And by the time you get to year eight or nine, the numbers are astronomically in favor of multiplication over addition. So we've got addition, we've got uh, subtraction, we've got multiplication 
multiplication, the one thing that will never fit in the church is division. And, uh, you know, I wanted to say now more than ever, but I don't even know if that's true. This is always division is going to hurt the message of the gospel. The lack of unity in the church is a dangerous thing we must, must combat. I am a Marvel fan. Uh, so I, I think right away when I think about this of it, the uh, Civil War movie that they had. One of the saddest scenes in cinematic history, I believe, was when Iron Man and Captain America were fighting each other. It just broke my heart to, to watch the two of them uh, pounding the snot out of each other. Uh, but what had happened in that movie is, one, the evil villain had realized, hey, there's no way I can beat these guys when they're together. So, in fact, there's no way I can beat them one-on-one. I can't take them on. So, therefore, I'm going to have to get them fighting against each other. I'm going to have to get them destroying each other. See, the Bible says that greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. So if Satan wants to defeat the church, he has the exact same dilemma. I can't defeat them when they're united, but I can get them fighting against each other. So how incredibly important unity is in our world, in our country, in our church, in our family. I want to show you a couple of verses from the book of Romans that maybe will help us with this a little bit. Uh, Romans chapter 12, verse number 18 says this, If possible, so far as depends on you, live peaceably with all. Do you get a hold of that phrase? As much as depends on you, live peaceably with all. And in Romans uh, chapter uh, 19, I may have the wrong reference there, verse number 12. Uh, Chapter 14, verse number 12. I don't have the wrong reference. I don't have my glasses on. Chapter 14, verse number 12. So then let us pursue, let us pursue what makes for peace and for mutual upbuilding. Okay? Let us go after what is going to unite instead of what is going to divide. When I read these verses, one of the phrases that comes to mind is the idea of how important it is that we agree to disagree when it comes to matters of opinion. Um, I'm not a big, normally I'm not a big Facebook guy. I'm not on there much. I, I do have an account, but I, you know, I, I'll get on there every couple of weeks and kind of scan through. I've got to admit, the last two weeks I've been all over that. I've, I've been scanning it all, all the time. I've got no sports scores to check, uh, so I just keep re- reading through that. And uh, first of all, I've got to say this, though I am thankful for it, uh, and it's been great to try to keep up some we have to realize it's no substitute for actually getting together. But uh, as I've looked at it too, I always cringe when I see people that are still taking shots at, at each other here and there. I mean, I would love to see what is going on now unite us, again, as a world, as a country, as a church, as a family. Love to see that happen, and I think it's happening some, but I would encourage you with me to pray towards that end. Hey, I'm going to throw out a wild idea. Why don't we all unite even in praying for our leaders? You say, well, I don't really, listen, let's be honest. Our president has people over here that actually despise him. There are those who uh, can barely tolerate him. There are those who kind of like him, and there are those who love him. I want to encourage all four groups to pray for him. Really? Hey, let's, let's let, how'd you like to be president right now? How'd you like to be going through that? Let's pray for him. Let's pray for our governors, the other in leadership. In leadership. Let's get united right now. Now, that. If there's an opinion where we differ, I think we need to agree to disagree in most cases. Where there is an offense or you have done something that actually hurts somebody, the Bible lays out a plan for that. Uh, Jesus did it in, in Matthew chapter 18. And he doesn't recommend that you avoid each other. 
And he doesn't recommend that you try to appease each other. He says, let's actually deal with the problem. But God puts in there a remedy or a prescription for maintaining the unity of the church. Whether we're differing over opinions, in that case, do everything that you can to live at peace. If you're differing over hurts or wrongdoings, let's get together and resolve this. If you can't, the two of you, let's get some other people involved. That's Matthew chapter 18. Now let me show you one other verse in the book of, actually two other verses in the book of Ephesians. It says, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, Bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of spirit in the bond of peace. Bearing with one another in love. Okay, got to end with a kind of a weird illustration. We uh, Wednesday this last week was our nice day, you know, to get outside. Everybody was hitting the parks and everything. And I told my wife we were going to go to Netterman Steak, pick up a little steak, go down to the park, sit in our car, and have a nice romantic steak dinner down there out of our styrofoam containers. We're pretty pumped about that. Uh, so I said, I'll be home at 3 o'clock. Got home. I got feeling we don't take our dog to places where there's a lot of people because she's so obnoxious. So I, I felt bad for the little dog. I said, why don't we take her for a real quick walk? And we ran to the schoolyard uh, beside our house and went over there. And somehow in her five-minute walk, she decided to just roll around in the most disgusting manure smelling stuff i have no idea what animal left that there at the schoolyard uh i i didn't see a cow out there that's exactly what it smelled like she had it she's a sheltie she has this beautiful white you know around her neck not that day it was nice brown striped it was so nasty we took her home uh, we washed her up as best we could, took a bucket out on the patio, and we said, this isn't going to work. She still just stunk. Uh, so we grabbed her, and uh, my wife got to hold the smelly dog. We threw her in a car, and we took her down to a dog wash and gave her a bath. Just the nastiest smelling uh, thing. That whole trip over there was, like, unbearable. I got thinking. Okay, here's the weird part. Stay with me. I got thinking of how bad it must have smelled on the ark. Now, weird thought, I know, but uh, there, there we are with all these animals. We're cooped up in here. That must have been an incredible stench. How did they manage to put up with the smell on the ark? The answer is pretty simple. Open the window and look outside, and there's an incredible storm blowing out there. If you would think about this with me for a second, as the storm is raging... As the storm is blowing outside, and again, we don't know if it, where it is. We don't know if it's going to increase in intensity or if it's going to slow down in intensity. We don't know what's going on, but we know there's a storm blowing outside. How important it is that we learn to, our verse said that we are to bear with one another. Maybe this is a time more than ever when we need to learn to put up with some of the smells if you will, some of the th imperfections, uh, some of the flaws in the people that God has put in our lives because God has called us to unity. And he prayed that he would be glorified as we are unified. And he, would, and he prayed that the message of the gospel would be proclaimed as we walk together in unity. Would you pray with me? Our Father, oh, how we need your truth. Would you apply your truth Help us, you know, would you uh, do the work that there is no way I can possibly do right now? And that is take your truth and apply it to our hearts and our lives. Lord, would you use this truth and transform? Uh, let, it, let it begin with our close acquaintances that we're with now. Let it begin in our families. Let it spread throughout our church and the church. Let us let it spread to our nation and even to the world. Uh, th your truth about the importance 
of walking together. I pray this, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. You've been listening to Pastor Dan Thomas of Community Church in Edwardsburg. For more information about the church, you can visit our website, edwardsburg.church. You may also contact the church via email, info at edwardsburg.church, or call us at 269-663-2648. Thank you for listening.